Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of From There to Here. I am your host, Miranda Dekonsky, and today I'm so excited and honored to be speaking with Maria Scoba Pillay. I hope I didn't butcher that too bad. Um, I'm usually terrible <laughs> with names, so uh, please correct me if I if I did. But it's so nice to have you here, Maria. I've known you for quite a bit now. Um, we've never we were just talking. We've never met in person, but we've known each other through the customer success community for a while. And I've been a guest on your podcast, so I'm just so honored to have you here and just thankful for you to take the time to spend with me. Thank you, Miranda, for inviting me. The honor is really mine. As you said, it feels that we know each other for such a long time, and hopefully we do get to see each other this year face-to-face. I would really love that. <laughs> it seems like we might. I will be in London and you know, in June, uh, pending no unforeseen delays with COVID or anything like that. So COVID gods, you're hearing me right now <laughs> from my mouth to your ears chill, chill out because I want to go to London. <laughs> so, And I'm going to get out there and meet you there for sure. <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, so for those that don't know who you are, can you tell me a little bit about you? Um, what do you do? Where do you work? And then let's hop into where you grew up. Yeah, sure. So I'm Maria and currently I'm leading customer success team in EMEA at ClickUp, which is an amazing productivity startup. And I'm also the founder and the host of Women in Customer Success podcast and the whole network. Just a very passionate person about, no, sorry, just a very passionate customer success professional, I would say. Yeah, I I really love what you're doing with the Women in Customer Success uh, community and podcast. I I'm just, I can't tell you, I see all of the things going on. You have a Slack group. Um, you have had some amazing guests on your podcast. I always love like that empowering other women. Um, you know, women have been historically underrepresented in the tech space specifically, and of course other spaces as well. Um, but I love the whole, like bringing us together, creating this community. What led you to do that? Where did you get the idea? Oh, now you got me talking. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, I was always surrounded by women and in, you know, either starting from church early days to workplace later on, I always had those communities of women. So for me, that was very natural. And then when I found myself in customer success and I started uh, reading and listening more about that gender diversity. And, and obviously I, I went on that Gainsight conference and saw, you know, the data of the uh, state of customer success in Europe, the data that showed that if there are 60% women starting in a customer success role versus 30% men, on managerial level, it's 50-50, gender parity. But then everything above, as you're climbing up the leadership ladder, means that there are 30% women on the top position and 60% men. So that was just one of those triggers that got me thinking, oh gosh, what's happening? Where are all the women? And w- what is happening with the women in industry? And then I realized, you know, obviously there are so many reasons for that, but maybe, just maybe one of the reasons could be that those women don't have access to role models who are women, who are great, who are on those positions and women that they could learn from. And that's really how this idea of a podcast came about, because that meant that I could provide a platform for 
other women to share their stories, to inspire others, and also women who, you know, perhaps are not on those high positions in terms of the job title, but they still have lots to say, lots to share, uh, and just be there for other women. So that was really the whole idea behind me creating the podcast. And then the community, the network just kind of came along very naturally from the conversation that I had with women. That's so awesome. Um, and it's been what, a couple of years since you've launched that? Uh, it will be two years in a month or two. Wow, that <laughs> crazy. I know, how crazy. Like, so you launched it during um, the early months of COVID as well. That's, God. yeah, just, just at the start of the pandemic, which was completely terrible time for me to start it because I had two young kids at home then and we all were working from home and then you know getting a new thing or a new hobby was anyway something just out of reach uh, but somehow I don't know I was so driven I was on such a mission for myself and for, for others that you know it just kept me going it, it's amazing I think that I'm benefiting the most from all of those conversations for sure how I feel about the conversations I've been having. Um, it's, that's awesome. Well, let's kind of go back to when you were younger. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Croatia, you know, that little, little country in Central Europe uh, for people who never heard of it because, you know, there are many people. It's only four million population of, of Croatia. It's just next to Italy and Slovenia. So in that part of the world, really one of the most beautiful countries in the world, of course. But I grew up there. Uh, My whole family still is there. So I grew up with two older sisters. Um, I went to school, kind of went to normal school and then went to music school. All my sisters and I, we were playing an instrument. So we were growing up in a very wonderful atmosphere of all of us being musicians, having opportunities to perform, um, just having really, you know, really interesting and and nice life. And I went to school there. I went to university, kind of a couple of universities. And then it just happened that uh, when I completed all my education, I was thinking, what shall I do next? And somehow some of my friends told me, oh, you know, we are going to England. Uh, to spend a year just learning English and keep going okay. yeah just, just to to learn English and then I realized wow that could be a good idea anyway I didn't have you know 100% of clarity what shall I do after that summer and I applied as well and uh, got accepted to come to England to one college, uh, got a scholarship to just spend a year abroad and study English. How awesome would that be, really? So I came here and my life really changed because I thought I'm coming only for one year. But then when I came to England, um, it was such a wonderful year. I got so many new friends I met a person who is now my husband. So obviously that helped me stay as well. Uh, But then I realized I still want to study more. I I wasn't kind of content with all the studies that I have done so far. Uh, Then I was accepted to Cambridge, went there, did my master's degree. And somehow after that year, the the life in England just happened and I'm still here. Now I'm married. I have two kids and England is home, at least for now. Oh, that's wonderful. And 
So I, I want to talk a little bit more about your journey. Um, when we were talking before we, you know, and I, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but when we were talking before we actually turned the, the video on or the recording, pardon me, um, you mentioned, you know, like your childhood and your school time was just really good. Like you were, you know, overachiever in that regard and you had a firm direction. And then as you exited your education um, period, there were some struggles. Do you mind sharing a little bit about those struggles? Yeah, sure. So when I was a teenager and, and basically all my life, I was really good at school. Uh, for me, it came just easily. I was always a student. Then when I was 17, um, it just happened that I was accepted to study at the music academy, which wasn't it wasn't typical because I still didn't finish my high school. So for that one year, I, I went to my high school, you know, part of the day. And then I went to the university, another part of the day. And it was still awesome. But people were asking me, why are you doing it? That, that you know, that seems very difficult, but awesome at the same time. Uh, and those those years taught me so much, but I felt really like I'm at on top of the world i felt really successful and i was like what whatever i was doing in terms of education it was really it was good and and i didn't feel that i was you know putting lots of effort it just seemed that everything went very smoothly very naturally and then when i got accepted to cambridge and when i was studying there now that was really interesting because kind of all my education until that point was done in a certain way. And then in this year, everything was different. I felt that I needed to change my mindset about the way that I'm approaching the education and, and critical thinking and the way I was doing research. Everything seemed really different. And I thought that I was struggling because I knew that I was such a hard worker. I could, you know, I could spend hours doing whatever I needed to do, but I wasn't sure that I was doing it in the right way. I, I I needed that direction. And what happened in that one year, I was constantly, I felt that I was struggling because I was receiving feedback how I'm either reading not enough or I'm, yeah, I'm not reading enough or yeah. then I'm, I'm reading way too much and I don't know what to do with all those thoughts. So the whole year was very interesting. And then it happened that at the end of it, I, I got my distinction for my dissertation, and it seemed that again, on paper, I felt, you know, so successful. It just seemed it's amazing. Now you're getting the degree from Cambridge. That you know, in that year, it was, it's always one of the top universities. It just happened. It was kind of number one in one of those uh, lists, and I felt so bad. I felt that I, uh, I kind of lost all of my confidence throughout that year when I was thinking constantly, what am I doing wrong? Uh, am I not good enough? What is happening? Uh, so that whole journey really, I, I feel that it, it left some consequences on my self-esteem because uh, normally you would think it's great. It's a great achievement, but I didn't own it. I feel, I, I felt at, at the time that, you know, just the fact that I'm getting distinction, it's not good enough because I don't feel great about it uh, because of everything that was happening throughout that year. I didn't even invite my family to that, you know, graduation ceremony that is supposed to be a great thing. And everyone, everyone are celebrating. I just felt that 
you know, my achievement wasn't worth of celebrating. Uh, so from a very, very confident young student, I became really, I would say, you know, very a person with low confidence based on how I felt about my success. Although on the paper, it was still really, really good. But that just meant that, that for the next few years, I was really kind of searching myself and my identity, which was very much based on my education until then. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know, you know, firsthand, there are a lot of young professionals that are going out there and doing a lot of soul searching, trying to figure out where do they belong? Or, you know, honestly, I, I, I imposter syndrome, I, I don't know if that completely applies here, but I know a lot of folks, myself included, you know, struggle from imposter syndrome, sometimes feeling like, you know, I don't quite belong here, or I'm not quite good enough to be here. Um, how, how did you get yourself on a better path? I think that that part of imposter syndrome, uh, yeah, it was really prevalent in academia. And at, at that point, I was in academia, but little by little, as I was going through some, uh, you know, leadership development programs, I was starting to realize that, you know, my worth shouldn't be dependent on anyone else or on anybody else's feedback. So just because the feedback that I was getting throughout the year was that, you know, I may not doing things properly or I wasn't sure where am I going that doesn't mean that you know I wasn't worth of my success and later on I I was just really working on on creating a narrative for myself and creating kind of identity that wasn't always related to what I do throughout the day or 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 identity that is part of my work Uh, I think that was that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And now kind of looking back here, you are, you know, years later, you're, you know, a successful woman in tech, a mom, a wife, like all of these different identities, all of these different things that make you who you are. If you could give yourself advice uh, or give advice to your 18 year old self, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, uh, I think I would say don't allow anyone to cut your wings. Uh, it was the advice that I probably got when I was 18, uh, but I think it's still relevant for, for people in my age and, and for other 18-year-olds as well. So when you feel that you should be doing something, that you are on a path, there are so many people around you that can tell you, oh, are you sure about it? Or maybe that's not good for you. Or, you know, you can't do it. And so many of those similar voices uh, my thought was always just don't allow them to cut your wings. If you want to fly, just go and fly. But then when I think about it, you know, I kind of admire my parents when I, I'm realizing how they did raise us with allowing us to fly, uh, allowing us to, you know, go out in the world, go out in another country, just experience things, things that now I'm thinking, oh, I don't think I can just allow my little girl to to do those things, but I really loved how they raised us in a way that we were really free to just explore so many different things. And they were there, they were supporting us always. So yeah, that's my advice. No matter what people tell you, don't allow them to cut your wings. Go and fly. I love that. I really love that a lot. (laughs) 
So do you still play music? Oh, I do. I do. I'm always finding opportunities for myself to perform um, at the moment with, with kids. So very often that's, you know, in, in the church settings, in worship settings, which is, you know, which is great. It's not, again, being professional musician as I was. Uh, but yes, on a regular basis, I have those opportunities and I will always keep on doing it because now as my kids are young, for me, it's really important that they see me playing an instrument. So now they're trying to, to learn. So for me, it's important that I give them that example that they see me being out there and performing. But you okay. play piano, don't you? I have well, seen your piano. <laughs> Tell me more about that. That's a, that's a, you know, loosely. I can, I can <laughs> play mean chopsticks and twinkle, twinkle, little star and some row, row, row your boat and um, <laughs> theory lease. I, I can do that one. Uh, I am so passionate about music, Maria. I've taken voice lessons for a few years. Um, I'm, I'm on a break right now. I've off and on. Um, I've, you know, participated in piano lessons. Music is something that is, I'm very passionate about. I've always got music playing, um, but I'm not very good. <laughs> so that's why I kind of laugh. That's why I kind of laugh. I'm, I'm not somebody who's going to, you know, play piano in front of a bunch of folks because it's, it's more for me. Um, whereas, you know, I, I don't mind hopping up on a stage and, and belting out a song. Um, I have zero fears in doing that, but the instrument thing is tough. I, I did play trumpet when I was younger as well. Trumpet. Wow. That's difficult. Yeah. It was a middle school, high school kind of thing with the school band. Um, but that was, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 43 soon. So that was many years ago. So I always wonder if I could still pick the trumpet up and, and play it. What, what instruments do you play? Uh, so I was studying organ, actually. That was my main one. So organ and piano are my two things that I really know how to do well. Oh, I love that. I, I, My grandmother had an old organ in her house when I was younger. Oh. And I used to just sit and play on it all the time. I'm sure I drove everyone in her neighborhood nuts because <laughs> <laughs> organs are loud. <laughs> so. Oh, yes, they are powerful. <laughs> Very powerful. So uh, just curious if we, you know, we've talked a little bit about your journey that got you here hundred years from now, when we're, you know, when somebody is reminiscing on your legacy, what do they want you? What do you want them to remember you for? Oh, I would really like them to think that not, not just a thing, but to remember me as a person who would bright up the room and person who would encourage everybody around them. That's something that I, I, I really am not only passionate about, but I'm trying to do because, you know, before pandemic, when I used to be always around people, those were the things that I heard mostly about myself from others. And that's something that really gives me joy. If ever I was, you know, that little enthusiastic person who brights up the room for someone that would make me really happy. So that's something that I would really like to carry on doing whenever I obviously can and am around people. And I'd like people to remember me for that. That's great. Um, in, you know, just kind of something fun that I want to do today. I would love to ask you, what's your biggest pet peeve? <laughs> oh, you know what? I think it's the one that I'm not a finisher. So 
I'm good in getting ideas and initiating things, being really enthusiastic and starting out stuff, maybe too many things at the same time, but I don't take satisfaction in finishing all of those things. And I know that some people could go crazy because of that. Oh, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that one. That was interesting. Very interesting. I I wonder if I have a little bit of that in me. I have so many things going on at the same time. Um, but I'd like to think that I'm a finisher, but at the same time, I, I do have a list that seems to keep growing quicker <laughs> than, than I can check off complete. <laughs> so that's so fast. You know, sometimes there is just satisfaction in, in doing things as long as they last, but do I really need to see, you know, every, sorry, I'm not talking about, you know, work-related projects. I'm not, you know, maybe yeah. that bad, no, but just absolutely. initiatives and things in life. Yeah. You know, not everything has to be finished or, or kind of completed. I just take joy in, in enjoying the journey. Yeah. I really love that. <laughs> um, okay. So last question. And another fun one. If you could have dinner with any two people, dead or alive, who would they be and why? Oh, oh well, firstly, I think it would be my dad who, who passed away when I was 21. So he kind of missed out of bigger parts of my life that include, you know, my husband and kids and all of those nice and fun things. So I think that we would have really kind of interesting dinner, me telling him all about the things that he has missed. And then I think, you know, Brene Brown is one of the persons that I admire so much since her very first TED talk. And I kind of envisage so many times having dinner with her already or just going for coffee. And in fairness, I don't even know exactly where would I start from, what are all the things that I would ask her, but I just know that we would have absolutely wonderful conversation and that I would just be in awe the whole time. So she's definitely my number two. Oh, she's so inspirational. I love her stuff too. I, I really like the little video she did about empathy versus sympathy. Have you seen that? Ooh, I need to check that one out. I don't think I had. So well done. So well done. The way she explains it, she uses cartoons to explain it. Um, so she has like a little character or a character that looks down, like someone's stuck in a hole and like the head peeks down and says, Hey, how you doing? want a sandwich? Like, it's like, (laughs) instead of like feeling their feelings, they're like, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. You're not having a good day here. Here's a sandwich. (laughs) So (laughs) that's sympathy where empathy is the actual feeling, the feelings with them. Right. So she just did a fantastic job of explaining it. And I, I really admire her as well. And I admire you too, Maria. And I just, again, want to thank you so much for joining me Um, It was just such an honor. I know you're very busy, uh, you know, working full time with, you know, a family and we have such a considerable time difference between the two of us. So I just appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, thank you, Miranda. It was was just wonderful to connect again with you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. And I'll see you in a few months. Definitely. All right. Thank you.